So I wanna talk about some hard truths today. I wanna talk about some truths when it comes to dating. I wanna talk about some truths as it comes to marriage. I wanna talk about some truths even when it comes to sex. Let me say this, if you haven't got your kids in kids ministry yet, go out the South Lobby right now. I'm not kidding, you might wanna go out and take them to kids ministry because we're gonna talk about some things today. If you can't talk about it in God's house, where else are you gonna learn it from? Because And the reason why I'm passionate about this today is because I've found that there are many people who are going about this whole marriage and dating thing all wrong. We watch it play out in our life. And statistically speaking, most of you will get married. Statistically speaking, many of those won't make it. Statistically speaking, some of those who don't make it will look back and we'll see the warning sign. You know, when you're dating, you, you get really excited. You, you, you just want to be in love. How many of you just you want to be in love? If you're single and you just want to be in love, raise your hand. Just don't, be, don't be ashamed. Come on. Single, some people standing even. You're single, you just want to be in love. That's what we all want when we're, when, we're, when we're single, when we're looking for that spouse. We just want to be in love. We want to have that ooey-gooey feeling. We just want it to feel right. But when things don't seem right, our mind says, pay attention. But our heart tends to say, well, love will just make it work. We just love each other. We'll work it out. I want to talk about that today. And I want to teach you today to be wise. To pay attention to the warning signs. And to these red flags. Red flag. We talk a lot about marriage, and I want to talk to those who are dating today specifically, but I will tell you this sermon is also very applicable to those who are already married, because maybe you're not this kind of spouse and you want to be. You can still find that. Proverbs 27, verse 12. I want to read this today. Proverbs 27, verse 12. What we see in this verse is a contrast between those who are sensible and those who are unwise. It says this, sensible people will see trouble coming and they'll do what? Avoid it. But an unthinking person, an unwise person, an ignorant person will walk right into it and regret it. So a sensible person will see the trouble coming. They're going to avoid it. But an unwise person, an unthinking person walks right into trouble. Realizes that was a bad choice. And they regret what happened. If you ever want to learn some wisdom, just open up the book of Proverbs and just start reading. They call it the book of wisdom for a reason. So I want to title this sermon today, Red Flags That You're Dating the Wrong Person. Red Flags That You're Dating the Wrong Person. And I have a little 
drill I want to do with us today is if you ever see me pick this up today, I want you to yell out red flag real loud, okay? Can we do that? Let's just, let's practice, let's practice. So pretend I'm talking. I'm talking, I'm talking. It's so good, right? Amen, bless the Lord. Hallelujah, praise Jesus. Okay. Gotta pay attention today. All right, all right, all right, all right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We pray, Lord, that your word would penetrate our hearts, Lord, that you would, we would hear what you want to say to us, that your Bible would point out that some things in our lives as we're talking about these relationships that will help grow us closer to you, that will help deepen our relationships with one another, that, Lord, it would point out some things, Lord, that we need to see change in our life. Touch us from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. Have you ever saw a friend dating someone and you saw the red flags? Some of you are like, I brought them to church today so they would hear it. <laughs> we've all been there, I think, where we've watched someone dating someone, a friend, a loved one, a brother, a sister, and they're dating someone and we see the red flags, but somehow they don't see the red flags. And you want to say something so bad, and maybe you do, but it feels like you're talking to a brick wall sometimes. Anybody ever been there? Just try to get it through their thick skull. Or maybe, maybe you're the one who's dating the person, and you don't see the red flags. You see, we've all been on one side or the other of this situation and I, I would tell you that some of you who are married, you were dating someone at one point and you saw red flags and maybe you ignored them. And you're, you're telling others now, you need to listen to this message. So I want to give a disclaimer before I talk a little bit today and I provide some, some instruction of what Scripture tells us, for some of you going into this message, there are going to be some things that sound and seem really extreme. And those who aren't following Jesus yet, it's going to feel extreme. It's going to feel odd. It's going to feel different. And guess what? I'm all for it. Because what's normal today is heartbreak. What's normal today is regrets. What's normal today is that D word, divorce. And I don't know about you, but I want something different. I don't want what's normal. I want something different. How many of you want something different in your marriage? Do you want something different in your relationships? So if what I say today seems extreme, good. If what I say today seems odd, good. What I say today seems different, good. That's exactly what we need. Because so many of us have lost our way when it comes to marriage and dating, and I want to bring out some things that I believe can help us in our relationship with a person we're dating and even in our marriages. So you've got to watch out for the Pay attention. So I want you to write these down today. I'm going to talk about five red flags for dating the wrong person. Number one, if they're not consistently pursuing Jesus, red flag. And I use that word very intentionally 
consistently pursuing Jesus. It's not that you're perfect. It's not that they're perfect, but you're on a journey to get to know Jesus and you're being conformed to his image. You're being transformed and renewed in who he said you are to be. And I say this because you may meet someone and you're like, what do you believe spiritually? And they're like, well, you know, I, uh, I mean, you know, I'm an American, so I guess I'm a Christian. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, Buddhist or Muslim or anything like that. So, you know, I guess I'm a Christian. Can I tell you that, that you might have a different way of saying it, but there are a lot of people in our world today who are cultural Christians. And just because someone says, well, you know, yeah, I guess I'm a Christian. I go to church on Christmas and Easter. Let me tell you something. That doesn't mean that they're a committed follower of Jesus. I can sit in my driveway, but that doesn't make me a vehicle. I can sit in my house, but in my bathroom, but it doesn't make me a toilet. And I'm going to say something very extreme, and it, it would be true. wouldn't be true in every case, but it would be true in most cases. And that is this. If you're getting to know someone. And as you after you spend some time in an intimate conversation with this person that you're dating and you don't hear about Jesus or their faith or about God or about their involvement in church within the first maybe hour of talking with them. Red flag. Red flag. And that seems incredibly extreme. But guess what? People talk about first what they value most. Because if they if they value and they love their career so much and you're going to hear about their career, if they value and love their car so much, trust me, you're going to hear about their car and the engine they got and all the ads they got on it. If they love to travel and go across the globe, then guess what? They're going to tell you about how they're ready to go to Bora Bora and go over here and go do this Spain trip and England and all this stuff. I mean, ready to go to Bora Bora. Amen. Praise the Lord. Talking to somebody this morning, they're getting ready to go to here in a few months. They're going to Cabo. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Take me with you. They love their shoes like many women do or some men like me. Then you're going to hear about their shoes. But people talk about most what they value most. If they talk a lot about their ex, that's a whole nother red flag. Run. If you have to ask about their spiritual beliefs, if you have to ask if they're a Christian after dating them, if you have to ask if they go to church, if you have to ask anything along their spiritual beliefs after an extended conversation, chances are they're not a committed follower of Jesus. Second Corinthians says this very clear verse chapter six, verse 14 says, do not be yoked together. Do not be joined. Do not be united together with unbelievers. And I, I, I'm, I'm going to just say this. If you're a Christian, don't try and build a marriage if they don't believe the same thing that you believe. Don't try and build a marriage with someone who doesn't have the same spiritual beliefs. You're asking for a recipe of disaster. The verse goes on and continues to say, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? 
Now, this passage is not criticizing an unbelieving person. I know a lot of great people that are not followers of Jesus yet. But what the writer is saying is that if you have different spiritual foundations, it is almost impossible to build a rich and God honoring life and marriage. That has a foundation of spiritual values, but I love him. He's just so cute. She's just fine. God's just limiting my options. God's not limiting you. He's protecting you. God is loving you. God is showing you and teaching you. You may say, well, where is that at? Let me show you a book that you probably don't read much of because you got to take a long time to look to find. It, and that's the book of Amos. Verse chapter three, verse three says, can two walk together unless they agree? In other words, can can two people move in the same direction that's heading to a different destination? Can two build a life on unequal values, on incredible spiritual differences? You can't. I promise you what you believe spiritually will impact the every area of your life more than anything in your life. It will impact you. Your spiritual foundation will influence how you parent, what you do about money, what you believe about with debt what you believe about when it comes to things, what it believes about coming to giving and, and going to church and serving in church. And are you in a small group? What TV shows do you watch? What music do you listen to? What friends do you have? What parties do you attend? What do you prioritize in life? What, how do you treat people when you're mad? Is divorce an option for you? What do you do when you're tempted? How do you deal with that temptation? Who do you go to? Who is your accountability? What do you stand for? What is your purpose in life? Do you have a job? What is that job? What do you plan to do with your future? It will affect everything. And can I tell you, if he or she is not passionate about God, it will be harder for them to love you the way that God intended it to be. It will be harder. I'll say this. Don't give them your heart if God doesn't have theirs. Don't give them your heart if God doesn't have theirs. Don't compromise and try to build a life with someone that has a different worldview. Don't compromise. Because what you believe about Scripture, what you believe about God, what you believe about eternity, what you believe, all those things matters more than you could ever imagine. It matters more. So if they're not consistently pursuing Jesus, I was a little delayed on that one. That was a staff member at that. Number two is this. When those you love don't love the one you're dating. This is a good one right here. And I see this all the time. You meet someone. They're cute fun, got all the tingliness going on on the inside, you're falling hard for this person, but your best friend who's a Christian doesn't like him. And then your other best friend who's also a Christian, mm, just, mm, there's something about that person. And then your mama starts to have a conversation with you like, baby, I just want to tell you, I, I'm not so sure about so-and-so. And your dad, he already didn't like him. He had his gun loaded ready when, when he walked through the door. <laughs> has a bullet with his name on it saying, if you want to meet him, then you better stay away. All the dads in the house, women with, with little girls say, amen. amen to that. Thank you for the second amendment. 
Then you talk to your sister and you talk to your brother and they don't even like him. The dog that likes everybody just don't like him when he shows up. It's a red flag. If the dog that likes everyone don't like him, he sniffed it out. Proverbs 27 verse 9 says, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. Friends and family who, who love you, who are spiritually grounded, who have your best interest at heart, can I tell you, be open to what they see because they probably see something you don't see. Love makes you blind or what you think is love makes you blind. Because they'll come along and tell you, you know, he's not honoring you, sweetheart. I don't, I don't think you should be with that person. He doesn't know how to honor you as a woman. He don't open that door for you, sweetheart. Oh, yeah, we need to go old school. We need to get back to what real men look like to take care of women. Yes, we do. We got a bunch of young little men. And women, can I tell you, you don't have to dress that way to make someone look at you. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. Realize that you are made in the image of God. You don't have to compromise yourself for others to see you. I told y'all today was going to be a good one. You know, sweetheart, I don't think she's the one for you because she's just too into herself. These are things that people who love you will tell you, sweetheart, I'm, let me just say he's pushing you too much sexually. She's way too controlling. You can't go anywhere without her calling you 24 seven. And what's going to happen is you're going to want them to be wrong. Because you like this person. Because you got feelings for this person. Oh, but you don't know him like I know him. He's got so much potential, okay? And I want to see the potential come to fruition. I don't need to date a project. I need to date a man who knows who he is in Christ, who already is ready to handle a woman. I need a woman, you need to wait on your Boaz. Go read about that. I know, I know she's got those things, you know, that she does. And I know she's got those things that she is, but, 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 now can I tell you, if you're going to have to go, but. Red flag. Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. I'm telling you, y'all, read the book of Proverbs. You'll walk away crying, convicted, laughing, and all set free at the same time. We've got to be wise, and we must learn to listen to wise counsel. We must learn to listen to godly counsel, to the counsel of those who truly have your best interest at heart when it comes to dating somebody. We must listen to them. So if they're not consistently pursuing Jesus, if those you love don't love them and even the dog don't like them. And number three, if you don't experience healthy conflict. Red flag. I'm not saying you won't fight. Oh, no, you won't fight. All couples fight. It's not if you fight. It's how you fight. Healthy couples fight fair. 
unhealthy couples fight dirty. Healthy couples know how to fight fair. Unhealthy couples, they're always looking for a one-up. They're always looking to, for them to say, I'm right. Healthy relationships find their way to resolution. Unhealthy relationships are always looking for a way to win. They're trying to do anything they can to find victory at all costs. My wife, Kendall, and I, we've been married 13 years, going on 14 this June. We've been together about 17, 18, June 20, January 25th, 2000. Oh, this is when we were dating. I know our marriage date. January. What? June 5th, 2009. That's the day we got married. Got married in that room. I proposed on that stage at a youth night. I'm telling you, at 9.01 p.m. on a Wednesday night after a message with Pastor Trey Rose, who was my youth pastor, I played drums, walked around, got her snucked on stage, was stood behind her, had my ring ready, had her whole family in the back room waiting for me to say, will you marry me? I know my dates. But January 25th, 2000, and I think it's five, was the day at 9.01 p.m. on a Wednesday night I asked her to be my girlfriend after a youth service. Get your kids in youth, they'll marry the right person. That's a whole message. I'll preach on that another time. But Kendall and I learned how to, how to work toward resolution when we fight. In fact, the other day, we got into a big fight, massive fight. She came to me afterwards, crawling on her hands and knees. And, and you know what she said? You better get out from under that bed and come fight like a man, you coward. <laughs> okay, so that didn't really happen. But we do fight about some of the dumbest things. Have you ever found that in marriage? You find about the dumbest things? I mean, it's just stupid. We fought about driving. She says, I can't drive. And I hadn't been in a wreck yet. She has. We fought about food. If she ain't hungry, it's my fault. We fought about time management. I believe a certain time. She believes a certain time. But when you, when you fight, you got to learn to fight fair. You got to learn to have boundaries in your fight. You got to know when it's time to say, hey, I just need a minute. I feel, I feel things rising. And let me tell you, when, when emotions rise, intelligence goes out the window. So you got to know when to say, hey, time out for a minute. I'm feeling it coming. And I'll, I will return to this conversation. Give me at least an hour. I need a time to cool off so I can think clearly so we can actually talk about this. That's a proper way to fight fair. And if you're the person like, no, we're going to settle this right now. Like, get your butt back in this room. Then you might be the problem in the relationship, and you need to learn to take a chill pill, calm down. But if you always fight, let me tell you, if you're always fighting in a dating relationship, if you're always fighting, you can't seem to not fight, then that might be a problem too. If you fight, break up, make up, and then you fight again, and then you break up again, and then you make up again, you fight, and you break up, and you make up, you're setting yourself up for a toxic cycle of any relationship you walk into thereafter. And that is not good. If you're thinking, well, it'll get better when we get married. Woo, boy, you lying to yourself. If you're thinking, well, if we just have a baby together, we'll learn to like take care of something together. Everything will be okay. We'll love each other in a more intimate. Let me tell you, don't believe the lie. Don't believe that lie. Marriage don't make it better. Marriage makes it harder. Because now you, you tied the knot. You made a covenant before God, a covenant, a word that we don't quite know what that word means. 
You made an agreement. You signed a contract according to God, a commitment to love her, not by what you feel, by, but by your choice. I chose to give my love to my wife, and that's it. Now, on the other extreme, if you never fight, Like, we just never fight. Like, we don't argue. We agree about everything. Can I tell you? You might actually just have two people that are conflict avoidant and got underlying issues that they don't know how to work through. And then marriage is going to happen. He's like, well, we never fight. All of a sudden, he's throwing things. She's running out the door. And all these things are happening. This is truth right here. Here's the key to having a healthy conflict. And this is a challenge, what James says in chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. Everyone should be what? Quick to? And what? And? That's hard. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So if they're not pursuing Jesus consistently, if those that you love don't love them, even the dog. If you don't know how to have healthy conflict or number four, write this down. If you find it difficult to trust the one you're with. Red flag. I see this happen often. First Corinthians 13, seven, the book about love. This chapter specifically about love. Verse seven says love always protects, always trusts always hopes and always perseveres. It doesn't mean you're going to have moments of insecurity. That's natural. You're going to have moments of that, that, that creep in. You're going to have things try to come in, but it's when you're consistently and constantly worried about if you can trust them. That's a red flag. And I want to unpack this a little bit because I believe this is one that I watch people date, date in relationships and like, well, you know, I, I love him, but I just, you know, I just don't, I can't trust him as far as I can throw him. And I'm like, then why are you with him? So I want to unpack this for a little bit, because if you can't do that, there's a problem for a reason. Let me say this. If he's constantly sliding into DMs and texting other women, can I tell you, I don't have girls who are my friend. I got people I work with, but they're not my friends. I'll tell you the truth. I ain't texting other women. If I text another woman, my wife's in that text. I don't have friends with women. I don't. I'm sorry. I'm not your friend. My friend is my wife, and that's it. We can be acquaintances. We'll work together. We'll, we'll teach Jesus together. We'll build a church together. But I, I'm, I don't, if you're constantly having time where he's talking and texting with other women, that's a red flag. If she's constantly snapping all these boys and all these ex-boyfriends, red flag. Get off Snapchat. If he's constantly only liking other girls' pictures, especially those that are in like bikinis and other things, red flag. I, the list could go on. On the other extreme, or could it be that you're the problem? Overly possessive. And overly insecure. Maybe it's not that they aren't trustworthy. Maybe it's that you aren't trusting. Either way, red flag. 
even if the red flag is you. If you find yourself always wondering, I wonder what he's looking at on his phone. Big red flag. If you're constantly wondering where she was last night, red flag. Constantly wondering why he didn't call, red flag. Pay attention to what that says about the relationship. And if you're saying, she's amazing, I just don't trust her, red flag. If you're saying, I love him, but I, I just don't really trust him, then why would you stay with someone you don't trust? Red flag. So if they're not consistently pursuing Jesus, if you don't know how to fight in a healthy way, if the ones you love don't love them, even the dogs, find it difficult to trust the one you're with. Number five, this is the final one I want to talk about today. If they're leading you away from Jesus instead of closer to Jesus, red flag. Here's the question to ask yourself. Are you growing closer in your relationship with Jesus because of this person? Or are they causing you to drift further away? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, see that no one leads you astray. So let's, let's, let's get practical. If, if you start dating this person and you stop going to church faithfully, red flag. If you start dating this person and you find yourself drifting away from your Christian community and your small group and you're hanging out with people who are doing all these other things that aren't what morals and values are upholding in scriptural, scripture, red flag. If you start dating and you compromise sexually, red flag. If you wake up the next morning and you start rationalizing sin together, red flag. And this may be extreme to you, and especially in the world we live in today. But God, let me tell you something. God says sexual intimacy is a gift. It is a gift, and it is reserved for the covenant of marriage and marriage alone. And we live in a world today where they don't see it that way. I got to test it before I buy it. No, you don't. If you trust God, baby, it is going to be all right. Discover it together. Give yourself to that person completely. I'm not saying you're not going to be tempted while you're dating. You're going to be tempted. You better be tempted because if you're not tempted, that's another problem we got to talk about. <laughs> you better be tempted to touch, to grab, squeeze, to hug, to tug. You better. I don't want to be married to someone that I don't feel that. I told you, take your kids to Skybreak Kids. I waited till the end. I gave you the whole sermon. But don't say, I hate that boy talking about sex up there. I gave you time. Proverbs chapter five talks about how sex is intoxicating. Let me ask a question. This is probably a really random question to ask in church, but I'm gonna ask the question and I want you to do it genuinely. I'm not doing this to shame anyone. How many of you have ever been drunk? Raise your hand. Ever been drunk? Some of y'all got all y'all 10 toes up in the air. Too. Okay, okay, no shame, no shame. What? What happens when you get drunk? You, you, you get blurred vision. Everybody starts to look good. You start to lower your standards. Your judgment starts to get clouded. 
Can I just say a statement, and that is this. It's time for some of you to sober up when it comes to you dating. Sex is intoxicating. And when you don't follow it in the accordance of what Scripture says according to marriage, it will ruin you. It will change you. And sex is anything that has to do with you physically touching the other person in any way. Some people are like, well, if it's this kind of sex, is it sex? If you have to ask, I'm trying not to get real plain. But, but you go start reading in Proverbs chapter 5, it starts talking about how fondling her breasts and how that is good from the Lord. I'm telling you, go read Proverbs chapter 5. It is like a deer. Come on, baby. Panting for water. Hallelujah. Praise to Jesus. Read your Bible. I'm telling you, this is all in the Bible. Go read Song of Solomon, baby. You'll come out better marriage at the end of it. But if they're not pursuing Jesus consistently, the ones you love don't love them. If you don't know how to have, how to have healthy conflict, if you're lacking in trust and they're pulling you away from Jesus, you've got some major It reminds you what the scripture said again. It said, sensible people see trouble coming and they avoid it. Unthinking person walks into trouble and regrets it later. For some of you today, it's time to break up. Because again, you can't marry the right person if you're dating the wrong one. For some of you today, it's time to appreciate what you've got even more. There's some of you who are married today and you're looking at that person right now and say, I'm, I'm appreciative of you. You helped me develop my relationship with Jesus in a deeper way. You taught me to trust again and I didn't know if I could trust. If you're married in this room today, why don't you just look at your spouse for a second and just give them the big old kiss right on the, right on the lips. Just kiss, give them a kiss, tell them how much you appreciate them. We got a deal today with Motel 6 and we're gonna, um, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, God. I don't know where that came from. I better get off the stage. I gotta get off. You may say, dang, Pastor Nate, why are you so serious about this? That's because if you ignore the warning signs, the pain on the other side of a broken marriage is incredibly difficult. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to, how many couples I've counseled, how I've coached them, and watching them go through this. And I would never, ever want to shame anyone who's experienced that pain of a broken marriage. There is brokenness that happens all the time, but they would tell you, if they could stand here today, to try to create a life together and to have kids and to try to come together as two people and then to have to walk away from that, it is like a nuclear explosion of pain. And the heartbreak that you may be experiencing right now in this dating relationship, the disappointment and the challenges, those are red flags to look out for. But when you find a relationship that honors God, when you find a relationship that draws you closer to your purpose in Christ, that is something very, very, very special. And you may say today, I want that. I want to have a relationship that honors God. I want to, I want to be the person that draws 
the person I'm dating, and even my spouse closer to Jesus and not further away. I wanna be the husband or the wife that, that is pursuing Jesus constantly. If that's you today, whether you're dating or married, if you say, I wanna be that person for my spouse, I want you to stand. So I wanna pray over you today. married to the person next to you, why don't you hold their hand for a moment? Let's, let's pray today. Father, I thank you for every person that's standing in this room and those even on the other side of a screen right now that may be standing in a living room, bedroom, a place of work, that are saying today, God, I want to be the person that is in a relationship that honors you. I want to be the spouse or the, or the person in the relationship that draws my loved one closer to you, Jesus. I pray today, God, that we would, we would have something well up on the inside of us to stand stronger together as a couple to battle off the temptation of the enemy. Devil, you have no power. You have no authority in the relationship because, God, your word says what, what God has brought together, let no man separate. So we declare that over every marriage today. I declare it over every engaged person today. I declare it over every single couple that is trying this thing out, dating, trying to figure out, is this the one that you've called me to marry? God, I pray today that we wouldn't go just off our feelings when we're dating, but God, we would trust who you are and we would trust what you're saying about God, that we would see the red flags when they come waving big as day. God, that we would trust your word when it comes to who I should be dating who I should be in relationship with. Because God, you have called us to be in covenant relationship with a specific person. I pray today, God, that we would have open ears and open hearts for what that is, that we would fight off the enemy when they come to try to separate. That we would be the spouse that draws our loved one in a deeper relationship with you. We need you, God. When a world has been shaken about the foundation of marriage and what it means to be married and what it means to have a relationship, what it means to live a life of purity before marriage, what it means to set yourself apart. I pray today, God, that you would give us a steadfast endurance to run our race, to, to allow us for those that are single in this room today, that we would focus on growing closer to you, Jesus, closer to the perfection of who you called us to be. And while we're running our race towards you, Jesus, I pray, Lord, that every now and again, we would turn to the side. And Lord, if that person is there, that you would reveal them to us. The same person that's pursuing their relationship with Jesus as well. Pray for strength and relationships today. God, I pray for those that are struggling in their marriage right now, those that are facing heartbreak, those that maybe even have, who have faced divorce. God, I thank you that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I pray today, Lord, that your grace that is sufficient would cover them. God, that you would allow them to, to stand in your presence. Holy Spirit, that you would guide their thoughts, you would guide their words, you would guide their steps from this point forward. God, if if you need to say something to them right now, God, I pray you begin to speak to them in this very moment. They would walk in your grace and your love, that they would find the help that they need. Jesus. With every head bowed and eyes 
still closed. There may be some of you today that, I'll tell you the best, the best way to build a healthy marriage is to first have a growing relationship with Jesus. And maybe you don't have that yet. Maybe you don't know Jesus yet. Can I tell you, friend, that there is a God who sent his son named Jesus to die on a cross for you so that you could have what John 10, 10 says, a life to the full, that you could experience an abundant life, extraordinary life, a life that is fulfilling beyond measure, something that the world couldn't offer you, but only Jesus can. You may be facing some heartache today. It doesn't mean that if you accept Jesus that you'll never face heartache. That's probably one of the biggest myths that people believe, but it is meaning that when you have a relationship with Jesus, you have somebody to hold dear to while you're walking through the fire. To know that you're not alone, to know that you may walk through the fire, but you will not be burned and you won't even smell like smoke on the other side. If you don't know Jesus today, maybe you've been coming here for a little while. Maybe this is your first time. And you're like, I want this relationship with Jesus. I want to have a marriage one day that grows. I want, I want to have a, a relationship with a God who sent his son, who loves me, whose grace abounds, who has a purpose for me, who will wash my sins clean. If that's you today with every eye closed, every head bowed. I want to pray for you. When I count down from three, I just want you to lift your hand so I know who I'm praying with today. If that's you, three, two, one, just lift them up today. Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Lift it up high. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you, God. I see that hand. Put your hands down. I want us to pray this prayer together. Romans 10, 9 tells us that if we confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised Christ from the dead, it says that we will be saved. That word saved is the gift of salvation. To spend eternity in heaven with Jesus when we pass from this life. So let's pray this prayer together out loud where our ears can hear. And if you're a believer and you've already prayed this prayer a hundred times, pray it in support of those who are maybe praying it for the very first time. Let's pray this together. Say, dear Jesus, Come into my life. Help me to live a new life in you. God, I accept you as Lord and leader of my life. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. And today I ask that you'd forgive me of all my sin and help me live a new life in you. I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you. And I put my hope in you. Wash me clean in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen, 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 amen.